When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this first episode in May edition of Big Drive Energy, we're going to talk about some Twitter beef, um, not not new to the golf world at this point, between Colt Nost and Phil Mickelson. We're going to discuss our personal beef with the Live Tour. We're going to be in Tulsa next week uh, without media passes, but we'll get into that. And then we're going to do some tier ranking of current PGA Tour players. So we're going to rank them elite, dominant, and frisky. This is based on basically 2022 to 2023, so kind of overlapping seasons, but the last year and a half calendar-wise uh, on the PGA Tour and keep it to just PGA Tour players for now. And this pod is brought to you by our presenting sponsor over at Pins and Aces. The guys are moving warehouses this week. We've got our tournament tomorrow at City Park, the Scramble Day Mile. Looking forward to it, but they hooked it up. Um, they hook it up for all our giveaways they're giving away polos. They're giving away all this awesome stuff. Uh, and Pins and Aces is now the official golf partner sponsor of All City Network. So we're super glad to have them on the entire network over all three cities. They make awesome gear. They're constantly constantly releasing new collabs with a bunch of different companies. And uh, they're moving, like I said, moving to a new warehouse, going to be much bigger. I can't wait to see what it looks like. Maybe we'll take you guys on a little tour via the talk or the Instagram of the new warehouse and check it out. But they are our presenting sponsor, and we couldn't be happier to be with them. They are the best golf brand out there. Beer sleeves, liquor sticks, uh, just a golf brand that does it differently. And that's um, if you've ever seen the two of us or watched any of our videos or paid attention to the podcast, you know, we're definitely different in the golf world. So Check out, check out pinsandaces.com. Use our promo code BDE and you're saving 15% off your entire order. All right, let's tee it up. Hello, friends. Welcome to this tradition unlike any... <laughs> Somebody scream mashed potatoes? That was mashed. I think it was Robin Williams that said golf is a four-letter word because all the other ones were taken. And dude, this sport can be so fucking humbling sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I saw your Twitter video yesterday. It uh you see, and I I go back to it again, but I hate to say it, you're, you just mentally, sometimes if you're playing well, you think too much about it and then you, you, uh, undermine your own golf game, but it actually didn't sound like you did that yesterday. You were just kind of all over the fucking place. 
No, dude, it was a, so I got to go to the Wilson Insider Day down at King's Deer. Uh, Shout out to our boy, Justin Serbo, hosted a great event. We had a little seminar before from like 10 to 1130, talked about the new Wilson product. I hit the DynaPower driver. It's actually pretty fire. Um, I hit it really well. So I might toy with putting that in the bag. We'll see uh, what we can do with that. But played the Wilson staff tour ball all day. Uh, Got some great feedback from it. It was hitting driver really well. Uh, and King, King's Deer is a great track. I got to meet, I met the uh, assistant pro and the tournament director, both really awesome guys. One of them fired 67, the other one fired 72, I believe. And he's got three herniated discs. So it's like, shout out to those guys. They got to play their home course, which was dope, but they are both Wilson, uh, Wilson guys through and through. And uh, that's awesome. It, they definitely want to do a, uh, they want to be part of the DNVR tournament schedule. So We've already got two more planned for this year. We may be adding a third uh, down at Kings Deer. Get, get one down south. It's such a good track. And uh, wasn't in the best shape right now, but they've only had four days of open golf. The dude showed us a um, drone footage of like a week ago, and it was covered in snow. So, Holy it, shit. you know, it is what it is at this point. But, yeah, dude, I uh, I won't go shot for shot because I know you hate that. But so I started on number two, which is a par three. And like made a made a pretty big par putt, um, and then the second <laughs> hole, I like big like a long like shocking that I made it and that type of big. Okay, I was like, what'd you have at stake here? What was big about it? No, like I I don't know. Something in me just wanted to just play big it. for your mentals. It's just how I go, but yeah, huge for my mentals. And then the second hole, I blow one into somebody some rich dude's backyard, make triple. But then and string together seven pars in a row so i was like all right cool you know i hit some hit some good shots um had a lot of tap in pars which was nice made a few up and downs i didn't hit a lot of greens um but then get to 10 and i made birdie on 10 so i'm feeling pretty good 10's at downhill par five par four yeah yeah downhill par five oh i also in my par run um I uh that one of the easiest par fives of the day so I was helping Serbo score it at the end uh just writing up scores gave me some real nostalgia from the old days um we were doing we did a skins game and so we were writing hole by hole scores and like I think like 90% of the field birdied number five which is a par five and I had sand wedge in on it but I was I was in your second shot yeah but I was in the uh kind of the fescue and I hit it like 30 yards (laughs) So I had sand, I hit driver, sand wedge, sand wedge, missed the green and got up and down for par. So oh my God. quite the adventurous, uh, but boring front nine looking at the scorecard. And then I get to the back and go, you know, birdie, bogey, birdie, bogey, birdie, double. It was just a trip and the wind started blowing. So that got in my mentals, but I hit driver really well, which I was pretty pumped about. Uh, and I want to skin on 12 uh making birdie which was not even that hard of a hole i just hit a really good fucking second shot just 12 that long par four back like usually back into the wind yeah we and we played everybody we played the one up tees so it was only like 6500 yards or 60 something like that yeah so i had 76 more looks more like an 82 oh that's kind of fucked no it was it was tough it was still tough and because the greens like I said, it wasn't in the best shape. The greens were in good shape, but they were just shaggy. So yeah. it was, they were pretty slow. Um, you know, they were like, Hey, come back in the summer. And I was like, Oh, I know how good this place is. Just like golf here this time of year when there's still snow on the ground and you know, you're, you're trying to get into the, 
the mode of moving from spring to summer. I, I did drive past city park yesterday though, and it looks absolutely clean. So oh, yeah, I'm it's, excited it's, to fire, fire 20 under tomorrow there with you in a little uh, screen. Oh, hundred um, percent. For a little background for people that don't know about Kings deer and just the state of golf. Like if you got into golf during COVID or, you know, in the last three, four years, um, a lot of people don't understand what golf went through f- about 15 years ago. King's deer, um, basically was defaulted on, uh, by the previous owners. And it is a little bit more of an isolated spot. It's about 20 minutes North of 20 to 25 minutes North of Colorado Springs. Um, probably about 40 minutes South of Parker, 30 minutes South of Parker. So it's a little bit, I wouldn't call it no man's land, but it's definitely a little bit more out there. It's not centrally located. And it got defaulted on and it was so slow that nobody wanted to buy it. And the homeowners around the area or in the area had to buy it in order to preserve some of their home value, because otherwise they bought a million dollar house on a golf course that doesn't exist anymore. That doesn't run. (coughs) So it's so crazy to think now that some golf courses 10, 15 years ago were struggling to stay open. And now golf courses can't turn you know they're starting to turn people away they don't have enough room so it it is golf has just done a complete 180 but the i played king's deer i think i was like 18 the last time i played it and uh it was in rough shape because it was still the new ownership kind of taken over and they were kind of you know in between there wasn't really uh a lot of maintenance being done and the greens were pretty pretty slow and uh, there was a lot of spots on the greens that weren't growing and they are in a, a tough area too, where they get a lot of wind and a lot of weather. Um, so I could see it being a challenge to get their greens really good and really consistent. But the last few years, years I've heard it's been in fucking awesome shape. So very cool to see them stay open and like turn it around. And now of course, with since COVID since 2020, they've been absolutely booming like most other golf courses. So, uh, just really happy because it's a great track and the views of Pikes Peak are unbelievable. Like you, you feel like you're standing at the fucking base of Pikes Peak. Yeah. It's got some great views. And like you alluded to, you know, the homeowners buying it when you're on that golf course, you wouldn't think that that a course that has homes like that around it would struggle to be open. Like, right. Not like these, you, you know, it's not like these, you know, um, say uh what's the word you know this like low-income housing a bunch of like condos next to it you know like some golf it's not aurora golf that's for yeah. sure it's it, it's mul- it's mil- at least million dollar homes <laughs> if not more than that on the golf course they're they're bit and a million dollar home is not what it once was but i would say some of them are probably closer to 1.5 or 2 million like they're massive oh easily so yeah it was a it was a great day out there i was all over the place but overall like my first full round of golf in Colorado this calendar year I think well not really I guess we played a couple times but like felt like my first like go out you know you know you're gonna play 18 holes play your own ball the whole way felt I felt pretty good about it hit the ball pretty good Good. glad glad to hear that and if you ever practice you'd probably be pretty fucking good but (laughs) we talking about practice yeah it's not in your vocabulary (laughs) no it is not 
All right. We want to tell you about our great friends over at the Colorado Golf Association. Join over 75,000 golfers with the Colorado Golf Association today and receive an official USGA handicap with worldwide access to score posting and GPS tracking. Use the code DNVR5 to sign up and get $5 off your Colorado Golf membership. That's at coloradogolf.org. If you're a member with the CGA, you get exclusive opportunities to play places like Aspen Glen, the Country Club at Ravenna, the Pinery, and more. You also get exclusive access to member content with offers and discounts from national and local companies, including Imperial, Golf Tech, and the PGA Superstore. So make sure to head over to coloradogolf.org, use DNVR5, and get $5 off your golf membership. We know it's getting hot out on the golf course. And what's worse than playing bad golf? Playing bad golf and having bad smelling balls. That's right. There's one thing I always keep in my golf bag. No, it's not balls. No, it's not tees. It's the Crop Mop from Manscaped. It's a great little product. It comes in a little to-go package. You can keep a bunch in your golf bag for when you're out there sweating, getting hot. You can take a little wipe and feel as fresh as ever. So head into the bathroom, head behind a tree, head into the bushes. We're not judging, but use the crop mop and keep your balls feeling fresh throughout an entire 18 holes. No one likes dirty balls on the golf course, and you can keep yours clean with Manscaped. You head over to manscaped.com, use that promo code DNVR, and you're saving 20% off your entire order plus free shipping. They've got a lot of great stuff for grooming, and keeping your balls clean. Clean your testicles with the besticles at Manscaped. So let's get to Phil Mickelson versus Colt Nose. Do you see this? I yeah, I, I briefed myself because I, I I would say that golf like the the spats back and forth anymore. Um, whether it's a media personality with a player or, well, and that's exactly what this was, but Colt's a former player. So I would almost consider it kind of player to player. Um, and I think there's a lot of what we haven't talked about is there's a small pocket of like live truthers on Twitter and they almost seem like bot accounts. Like Greg Norman hired a, a media company to make a bunch of fake accounts and just, uh, tweet about how good live is and about how everybody else is so wrong and this and that. Um, but there's a lot of that going on and like a lot there, I wouldn't say they're attacking people, but they're definitely pretty outspoken on Twitter. Like they love live and, and there's always going to be people, there's always going to be contrarians that, that love what everybody else hates. So I totally get that, but there's so much live PGA tour shit that floats around anymore. Like, if you were in on the beginning of it, then it's just kind of gotten oversaturated now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think one of, here's an interesting question for you. So before we get into kind of what they said, and we'll give you the Cliff Notes version of all the tweets. I'm not going to read them all. Uh, Golf Week at USA Today did a good job of like screenshotting it and and, and writing a good story on it because you know it's pretty much anything live versus PGA Tour that's on social media is is a story now in golf. But do you think Colt Nose, Colt Nose seems like the perfect guy that would have gone to the live tour had he not gotten in media. And I love Colt, but I think that's a fair assessment, right? Oh, no, for sure. I think that that kind of thing set up like perfectly for him. And I think there is a, a, a faction of dudes like 
I think if Kevin Kisner wasn't so patriotic and so like, you know, tied to American brands and uh, really just kind of what he stands for, he would have been the perfect guy to make the jump. And I, I kind of see them as like similar personalities, but a lot of the dudes just were not able to swallow really what it was going to do to their image. Like Kevin Kisner would be looked at as a big old like sellout. Basically everybody, you, you would have to be okay with being looked at as a sellout if you went to live and basically like going against all your morals and all that. So, but strictly if we're talking in terms of like the state of your game, Colt was like hanging on by a thread there towards the end. So yeah, if this would have come along, like right when he was still playing and who knows if he wanted to even keep playing. Cause he, he seems like a dude that's pretty comfortable with doing, um, you know, being in the booth or being out on the course and, you know, probably being able to go to the bar and just party as much as he wants when he's not working. So, uh, but yeah, his game was like right in that sweet spot where he was on the decline, even though he's a little bit younger, but he definitely would have taken a consideration from the live tour. Yeah. He he's like the perfect player where, and he says this in the tweets. So we'll get to some of them here actually, and I'll just read them. So it basically started out with, um, so pro golf critic, this kind of seems like a guy, um, that, you know, I don't know. Some of these guys just have hot, really hot takes and then get like super famous for them. I don't know why we haven't gotten famous for our hot takes, but, uh, so he tweeted this guy and that's this guy was saying, sounds like wishful thinking on your part. You act like everything is going to stay the same. Like the golf world hasn't completely changed over the past year. And Colt goes, serious question. Y'all are so upset about the official world golf ranking. If you knew the criteria when you're starting a tour, why wouldn't you just meet it? And then Phil chimes in and goes, Colt is not our job. It's the OWGR's job to rank all their players in the world. Maybe they can do their job and figure it out like they do for multiple tours with hundreds of players, not even close to as good. But that would hurt the PGA's revenue from CBS, so the leaders won't. And then he goes on to say, like, uh, Colt was like, why did you never lobby? And Phil goes, I don't need official world golf ranking points and or care. He's like, I'm in three majors for the next 13 plus years and all four through 2025. It's about doing what's right and calling out the collusion that's taking place behind closed doors to help Jay Monahan get all his TV money. And then they just kind of spat back and forth. It's funny because Colt then asked Phil Mickelson to come on his podcast and he goes, no, thanks. I prefer tweeting like we are. And then Colt says, you've never been shy before. I'm sure Greg would give you permission. And then Phil goes, when you don't have facts to back up your position, this is what you tweet. No, thanks. I'm good. And then it kind of just ended. Uh, Phil didn't respond, so he kind of gave up on it. But it is funny to me because Colt is obviously very PGA, you know, they, they, write, they cash his paychecks and he doesn't even have to play golf anymore, you know, but he's around it all the time. And and like I said, I, this is not a hate thing for Colt, but I just, looking back on it, he would have been one of the dudes that you probably would have seen. Perfect example of a guy that just probably couldn't make it on tour anymore. Kind of an interesting character. Um, and, you know, you never know where any of these guys' moralities lie and where they what they feel about where they're getting paid, you know, which that's obviously probably the biggest part of it. But player profile-wise, just on the golf course and personality-wise, he's 
he's a guy that would have been like, yep, I'm taking this. You know, he's Patrick Reed without the wins. Not in this. Nah, that's not fair to him. <laughs> You're just saying that because they look alike. Yeah, that's that's some like. They're both thick boys. That's a fucking low hanging fruit. It's a period. That's like saying I would go to live if I was out there just because I'm thick. Yeah, you probably would, wouldn't you? Thicker than a bowl of oatmeal. Ooh, that's a question we've never asked each other. Would you go to live? Um, I I think the most universal answer is like the money would have to be proper. The money you have to come correct if you're wanting to get Migsy over to the live tour. Um, I'm not gonna go for fucking peanuts by any means, but it's uh I think it's definitely like a, a hit to some guys' egos too. Like you have to know that like you're going to be prejudged on anything you do, you know, it's in maybe 20 years from now, if live still exists and everybody looks back, it's kind of like the first people to, to make the jump over to something, you know, it's, it's always going to be looked at in a, a different light, but I thought it was funny. Just the, the, I'm sure Greg Norman would give you permission. Like Phil's basically his little mouthpiece because Greg is even more hated than Phil which is crazy. Um, there's just levels of hate uh, from the live tour and like Greg Norman's probably the most hated. So he's the most protected though. So then he has Phil do some of his work, which is a little less hated. And then you go down the line to guys that are, um, you know, like Dustin Johnson really is ambivalent to everything. He's like, I don't give a fuck about any of it. Uh, but bottom line is everybody that plays on the live tour is obviously going to vouch for the live tour and they kind of, I, I don't know really what's been included with the whole live contract, but I'm sure at the end of the day, you, you can't even take a neutral position. If you play for live, you have to, you know, advocate for live on social media. You have to basically push the product that you were, uh, that you jumped in on. So I, I just, in the terms of argument sake, I think uh, Phil is not completely wrong here um, about like getting world ranking points, but considering it's a three day event and it's kind of a team style and there's really a lack of schedule. I think the world ranking points, if they were given to them would be so minimal that it wouldn't really matter. Like, a dude could win eight live tour events and it'd probably be the equivalent of like one PJ tour win. So I think. So Taylor Gooch would be uh, had a quarter PGA tour win in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, exactly. Like, and, and maybe I think that would piss off the live tour. Cause that's what they really like. Phil was saying it's their job, but if they came out and gave them like hardly any, like they, brought them into the official world golf ranking points, but they hardly gave them any, they'd still be pissed off. You know what I mean? They want to be like, they, they think they're on the exact same level as the PJ tour and they're just flat out not because they're brand new. Their whole tournament setup is different. You know, they're, they're, they're a lot more casual. Like a lot of people, no matter what you call it, a lot of people still look at it as like a fucking three day fuck around gang. You know what I mean? Like yeah, three day, a three day boys bachelor party trip. Scrap yeah, that's so, style. Yeah, exactly. It's a little bit kind of what it feels like. Um, we are going to get some firsthand uh, viewership of it here next week. We're going to famous Tulsa, Oklahoma. I can't fucking wait to get out there and, and uh, really see what this live tour is about. Should we get into uh, our little 
our our newfound live beef uh yeah let's do that but before like it's gonna be hot as fuck in tulsa oklahoma is it really i would imagine so don't you think Um, or there's gonna be a tornado one of the two yeah check the weather while i'll filibuster for a little bit but yeah so (laughs) this is our this is our new live beef like i feel like you know out of all the golf podcasts and i really i'll be honest i don't listen to a ton of them um but i would imagine that we're pretty pro live compared to most of these golf podcasts definitely anyone that somebody that has somebody that's been on the pga tour colts um i i don't know about like no laying up foreplay uh can get fucked i've never really like even listened to an episode so um <laughs> but I, I would imagine most because most of those dudes are friends with a lot of the guys on the pga tour so i would imagine that they're pretty pretty pro tour but we are you know we're pretty pro live and not not that not that I would we, say we're pretty Switzerland. We're pretty on the in between. You know, I think there's I think there's pros and cons and we're reasonable people. Yeah. I, I mean, from our standpoint, like you were saying a little bit ago, you when you're on one of the tours, you have to be all in. You can't be on the fence. Yeah. As, as golf media, we can be on the fence, but some choose not to be. Um, and we're not affiliated with anyone, obviously, so we can choose not to be, but we can also choose to hate live and we haven't, we've actually said it's mostly good for golf and that we enjoy it and mostly enjoy the product and, and still like the players on there, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, so they, uh, denied us media credentials, which is fucking annoying. Um, they <laughs> said the we, still get, we can still get the like transcripts and other shit from interviews and all this other shit. I'm excited to see what it's like to be just completely honest, but I do have a little bit of a fucking annoyance with them now after this whole scenario. Um, <laughs> and maybe it was because I'm a PGA professional that they didn't fucking want me to be on the grounds and, and having some fucking back background knowledge of this tournament. But, you know, I guess it is what it is at this point. Um, I, I, if I'm being real honest, I just don't think they give a fuck about us, which is, which is wrong on their part. Cause I give a fuck about us. Um, but if I'm being honest, I, what pisses me off the most about it is last year, they let like literally anybody into the fucking media tent. Remember they were asking like Dustin Johnson questions about his wife and like, just the the media like the press conferences on live were the biggest joke in all of sports and now like i wouldn't consider us a joke we're close but we're not quite like a complete joke um and i think we could articulate a a decent question or two if we got into that um press tent but now they who knows what direction they're going you know if they're trying to go all all serious so they just don't want anybody that's gonna like ruffle any feathers in there and they're you know who knows like maybe they they've assigned like two interns the fucking job of giving out media credentials and they've never heard of us you know i i don't think it's a it's a big enough thing to really like get annoyed about but it's just like why you know like we're a we're a legitimate like entity we're not just we didn't just make this up last week and we're trying to go fucking ask your players some questions you know what i mean so that was where my annoyance came from by the way it's supposed to rain every day in the 10-day forecasts in tulsa oklahoma oh goody what a treat yeah we're gonna be fucking drenched it's gonna be when we go to pins and aces today i'll get us some fucking rain gear 
if they've got rain gear, I would love some rain gear. Um, but yeah, I think the thing that annoys me the most, and granted, now that I dive into it in my mind, I see it going two ways. But the fact that like we want to come out and cover the tournament and be and like promote them more, and the fact that they said no to that, it's like okay, that's that's fucking annoying. Like that's yeah, I, I agree. And on the other side of the coin, like I always try to look at both sides of the story. You know that um, from being my brother for twenty. Yeah, years. you fucking sell you. You you don't care who's on one side of the coin. You fucking are. You're Switzerland as long as the day is. Oh wow, that's kind of fucked. But um, the <laughs> just they, true. We could <laughs> we could be going. Truth hurts sometimes. We could be going there to like be like cover it but also just bash it you know yeah like, just shit talk it yeah and maybe they see it that way um i don't know i'm overall kind of annoyed with the situation they've definitely taken a notch down on my uh, likability level uh, but i am excited to see what it's about and and hopefully there's a party hole you know we can get into one on a par three for a day or something and since we're not we meeting now we don't have to worry about fucking getting lit yeah, exactly. And and there's also a hard rock casino about 15 minutes away. So we're going to be uh, doing a little gambling when we're out there, too, because what the fuck else is there to do in Oklahoma? Yeah, exactly. Speaking of gambling, um, we are not giving out our, our picks this week on the pod because it's currently Thursday and that'd be fucked if we did that. Um, a little quick update on our picks that we did give out. So if you guys listen to the pod and get the picks from the pod, appreciate you listening, of course. But we always put it out on our Instagram before the tournament. So um, it's already out there. Follow us on Instagram at Big Drive Energy Pod. Uh, our picks this week, we've got, and this is how they're currently doing. This is as of about 9 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. Uh, we've got Gary Woodland. I've got Gary Woodland. He's currently tied for the lead, so we can just end the tournament now. That's chill. Uh, we've got Sahith Thagala. He is currently T4. Uh, Max Homa is plus one. He is 36th. And Jason Day, I'm watching him on the TV right now. Uh, Wells Fargo is a cool event. Quail Hollow is dope. Um, and Jason Day is plus two through 10. Xander Schauffele and Victor Hovland are other two picks. They have not teed off yet. So, uh, one thing I was thinking when I was watching this tournament, dude, is like, give me a golf course with trees over anything. Like, I love the tree, like wooded golf courses. Those are yes. my, my favorite. No, I agree. I love a good Parkland style golf course. And maybe that's because we don't really have that much of it here in Colorado. Like everything is so, you know, hilly and uh, a lot of elevation change. And just with where we're at, we really don't get near as much tree like south carolina for example when we go play out there it's basically all tree-lined tracks and um kind of surprising for you considering where you hit your driver which is everywhere um but you are very good at recovering out of the trees too so i could see why you like the trees but no i i totally agree with you like i love a good it's called parkland style if like the old scottish you know, they've either got like a Lynx or a Parkland style. Um, but I love trees and it just makes for a really uh, pretty, pretty like piece of land, in my opinion. I know that sounds corny, but part of the reason why I like a golf course is just like how aesthetically nice it looks. 
and just if I kind of enjoy the vibe out there and uh, Quail Hollow, like the North Carolina area, even any, a lot of the East Coast golf courses, you know what I mean? A lot of the more old school tree line style courses are, are a great vibe for me. Yeah, like watching this this morning, uh, shout out to ESPN Plus again, just the coverage is insane. Like I got up way too early this morning, but put on my TV ESPN Plus and I'm already watching golf and it's six in the morning on a yeah. Thursday, which three years ago was not a thing. This is how it always should have been. Exactly. But like they were deuce, my, like Max Homa, I was watching him. They were deuce sweeping, dude. There, You could see it on coming off their feet. And shout out to all the dudes wearing hoodies. That's a full full go. Rory McIlroy had a hoodie on. I swear like three-fourths of the dudes out here had hoodies on this morning. That's awesome. Yeah, I definitely think that most guys – I'm seeing Rory right now and he's got like some olive green pants and a white shirt. It's kind of a good looking outfit. Yeah. He, he did have a hoodie on though. He had a white Nike hoodie. He had to mess with his hood a little bit before he made a swing. So that's down one for the hoodie boys in golf. (laughs) See the amount of white that people wear out on tour anymore. Just like it's, it's a little too much for me. I prefer darker colors to, to hide what I've got going on over here (laughs) to hide the chest hairs. Yeah, that too. Yeah, it like, looks like a, a fucking grizzly bear is trying to come out of your, the front of your shirt. Exactly. We want to tell you about the incredible deal from our friends over at Shady Rays. That's right. We know summer's here. The sun is out. It's always out during the summer and when you're playing golf, ideally. And you do not want to be caught out on the golf course without sunglasses. So head on over to Shady Rays. They're giving you 50% off two pairs of polarized sunglasses if you use the code DNVR. So this is awesome because you can buy a pair for your to have in your car or at work, wherever you may keep your sunglasses, but then you buy that extra pair and you keep that in your golf bag at all times. That's right. You keep it in your golf bag. It comes with a little nice case so they don't get scratched up you can read the putts on every single green with these great polarized sunglasses from shady rays and they can never leave your golf bag so you're never caught out on the course without some shady rays head over to shadyrays.com that's code dnvr 50 percent off of two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses if you ever lose them they'll replace them no questions asked they are truly the best sunglass company in the world so make sure you head on over to shady rays and use that code dnvr for 50% off two pairs of glasses. You know what goes along hand in hand after a round of golf, and that's beers. And there's no better place to get them than our favorite place over at Illegal Pete's. It's patio season. Golf season and patio season go hand in hand. And after a round of golf, I love to head over to Illegal Pete's. Right now, they're running a special where you get their house beer bucket for $15. That's right, five refreshing 16-ounce beers for $15. So come soak up at the sun, get a loaded burrito or a bowl. I'm more of a bowl fan over at Illegal Pete's and hang out have a few beers they've got great specials all the time great margaritas as well illegal pizza is one of my favorite places to get food and definitely some post-round drinks so head over to illegal pizza now and take advantage of that bucket special all right well let's pivot we're going to take a little pivot here and talk about so one of the things that we came to our mind and i'll give mitchell the credit for this one this week so as we know tony finau won the mexico open last week uh, his sixth career win on tour and 
you know, a smaller event John Rahm, we talked about it last week, was a plus 280 to win the thing, which is absolute insanity. But Tony Finau ended up winning it. Really cool story. You know, we talked about Finau from the full swing episode, but like there was some uh, video surfacing of him uh, caddying for his kids like four hours after he won a PGA Tour event. So just an all around good guy that you can't not like, I think, in Tony Finau. And that got us thinking of like tiers of golfers. So we put together a little list. Each of us did our own. We did not talk about this before. So we're kind of going to see uh, where each other falls and em- embrace some debate on this podcast because <laughs> uh, that's what we do tend to love to do uh, in general. We don't do it as much on the pod, but we're going to embrace debate and we're going to get work. So we're going to go three tiers of golfers. And this is based on the 2022-23 season. So uh, from the Fortinet Championship on, but then also 2022 majors, etc. So basically, calendar year of 2022 and 2023, which does span two PGA Tour seasons, and we're gonna break it down into three categories. Uh, we're gonna tweet this out and put it on Instagram. So if you're following along with us on on social media, give us a you know we're gonna embrace debate on there too and see what people think once we tweet out the graphic. Uh, this sweet graphic that I'm about to conjure up on a little Photoshop, but we broke, we broke it into three tiers of elite, which is obviously we all know what elite is. Um, and then dominant, which really, if you win a couple times on the PGA tour, if you win a couple times in a year, that's pretty dominant. But if you win three or four times, maybe five times in, in a two year span, that's really dominant in our eyes. And then we've got our third tier of frisky. So these are guys that they won some tour events. They've potentially won some majors, depending upon who Mitch picked and who I picked. Uh, and then they're guys that like you expect to compete in majors every single year. And when, you know, when the uh, U.S. Open comes up, PGA Championship comes up, the, the Open Championship, where like that's a guy that, you know, could win his first major or second major, whatever it ends up being. But a guy that you think could win the majors uh, as they come during the season. So why don't we both start out? Um, we'll get the the laundry out of the way quick and go with the elite. And that's just uh, give me your two guys, and I think we're both on the same page here. If we're not, we're uh, we're not paying attention to the world of golf <laughs> the last two years. Yeah, no shit. It's John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler. Like every week they tee it up. I think they're expected to win. Um, and it it's really kind of hard to think any different. I think John Rahm, if I had to pick one over the other right now. I'd say John Rahm has been more dominant this calendar year than anybody. Um, He's in our elite tier, so not dominant, but he's just dominant. I think he's like five wins this calendar year, um, four or five, something like that. So he's fucking just boat racing everybody in terms of like today's tour standards. He's no tiger, you know, circuit 2000, but these two dudes, every time they tee it up, you got to expect that they're going to be near the top of the leaderboard or, or a chance to win. You know, like we very rarely see these guys have a bad week, miss a cut. Um, and I think that's part of the dominance too, is even if you don't win, like John Rom last week may have not quote unquote had it at the Mexico open. So he didn't win, even though he's plus 280. If you bet him, you're a fucking sucker. Cause that's dumb as shit. Um, but he still finished top five. Like he still played his ass off. And um, I think he really embodies what it means to just like, especially now with the tour paying for appearances, he really like takes that to heart. He doesn't just show up and fucking throw in the towel 
like I'm sure there's times the other last the other week at uh, the RBC Heritage where he just came off winning the Masters. He's getting paid to be out there because it was a um uh what it what what is it called a highlighted event uh elevated elevated um they should have an elevated event in Colorado because that would only make sense. It's elevated in an elevated place. Oh, good one, good one. But you know what I mean, like. He, he definitely like is an effort guy. He, John Rahm, he's a workhorse and he's kind of built like a workhorse. Like he's built, a, he's built like a camel. He just gives you miles. Um, he's got some fucking energy stored up in there and uh, works his ass off, but he, he consistently plays good golf every week. Can I, this is not on subject, but I need to say one thing. He's worn the same outfit every Sunday. Like this year, who the fuck is, who's that, whose idea is that? Like, that's so bad. Do they, does Travis Matthew not make more than four shirts? Like, do they just give him four shirts and he's like, oh, got to wash them for next week. Like fucking that red shirt and the gray pants. It's terrible. So you didn't hate it when Tiger wore red and black every Sunday for 30 years? No, but that was a diff. That was a signature thing. John Rahm's just he reminds me of me where he's like fucking waking up hungover on a Sunday. He's like, Oh, it looks like I'm out of laundry again. Like this is my only clean shirt. Like they just back to old red. Yeah, exactly. And it's not like, it's not a great outfit. Like it doesn't stand out. It's not iconic. It's just kind of bleh. So other than that, um, he's having a phenomenal year and we'll see how long he can keep this up for. I think he could be, who, okay, here's a good question. Who do you think has more staying power over the next five years between him and Scheffler? Oh, man, that's a tough one. Oh, Because it's getting to the point where, like, you can have a dominant year or two, but can you sustain it for five-plus years, kind of like, you know, Tiger did back in the day, even though it was much longer? Um, well, well, the interesting thing about these two guys, so – uh, like you said, you were correct. He's won five times since 22, 23 and, and the events, I mean, the Mexico uh, open, whatever he's won the tournament of champions. He's won the American express. He's won the Genesis and the masters. So that's like pretty good report card there for Rombo. Yeah. But, and he's won 11 career PGA tour events and also eight career international events, but he's won on tour every year since 17. So he's already kind of been doing it for five years. He had a rant, you know, you're right. I think only one or two wins um, the first couple of years that he really established himself on tour in 2017, but since then has been dominant. Um, but I think his staying power, I think Scheffler, Scheffler could be, he's still verging on like a flash in the pan. Now it's going on, you know, 15 months since he won the, his first time at the waste management last year, but he's won six times since then. So I can't really say for sure. Like I can't call him a, he's not a bust. I mean, he's already had a better PGA tour career than probably 98% of the guys that have been out there. Um, but if I had to bet on one of these guys, I would say John Rahm has a little bit more staying power in the, in the fact that like, he's already been doing it for five to six years, still semi young. He started his pro career in 2012. Um, but I, I think, I don't know. I, I just, when you've already proven it to me, I'm a little bit more jaded on that side. Something interesting, sure. on, interesting on John Rahm yesterday. So when I was at the Wilson Insider event, you know, they kind of had like 
it was a it was a bunch of you know golf pros and people that run courses people that work at pga super superstore club champion guys like that that you know we're trying to show people what wilson's about they gave us a bunch of free balls and showed us some videos some manolo stuff you know they're trying to break into the social media game a little bit more and put themselves on the same level as you know callaway taylor made titleist all those um but john uh john rom was actually a wilson staff guy in college and was he really yeah and they were talking about that because a lot of the view from uh, some of the guys that i played with uh the guys over broken tea awesome time with tyler and matt but uh i think a lot of pros around the country that are trying to sell wilson you know they're trying to get out of everybody seeing it as a secondary kmart brand you know something that they even brought up but I think a lot of people said, and, and I kind of share the sentiment, I don't know to what degree, um, but until you get a lot of tour players playing Wilson, that's really what's going to grow your brand a ton. And I don't know if that's necessarily true. Uh, I also have a jaded view on it because I'm not, you know, your, your typical weekend golfer that just loves to go out. And, you know, I worked in the industry for seven years. So it's it's a little different for me because I've never been like, emotionally attached to a pga tour player um i was kind of when i was a kid with tiger but i also didn't like oh i need all i need to play all nike because tiger plays nike um but like i said you know i don't know how you where you fall on that but it was just kind of funny to think that john rom was a a wilson staff guy in college and the guy said you know it's tough to the, the one of the main wilson execs was there two of them actually from chicago and he goes you know it's tough to choose uh, who you get, you know, and if they could have kept Rom and Rom was still playing Wilson, uh, they'd be adding to that more majors one than any other golf brand for sure. But also, you know, having a guy like that, I, I it would definitely boost business for for sure for a while. And they said that like when Woodland won the U.S. Open a couple of years ago, their Wilson hat was like the top selling hat on any market for like two, three weeks straight. Oh, wow. So it really moved the needle for them. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. Um it, it is kind of crazy just people with their brand loyalty. Like, like you said, I've personally never felt the need to play a brand because a professional player plays a brand, but there, I mean, it, then if you look at it and almost compare it across the board to like basketball shoes, there is plenty of guys that are like, Oh, well, I want to wear the Kobe's cause I love Kobe or I want to wear the LeBron. You know what I mean? It's, it's similar to that. So I understand where they're coming from, but I feel like PGA tour players are maybe a little different and if everybody could just like think for themselves, because golf, I would say golf clubs are different than basketball shoes in the way they perform. And I, I think we get back to our tiers here because we're getting a little off topic, but um, yeah, they, if people could just think for themselves and actually just go out and hit different things and not be so brand loyal, like even Titleist wouldn't be the biggest ball in golf because all they've got is brand loyalty and everybody, the PG, everybody just, fucking has a, a little circle jerk for the pro v1 you know what i mean we might need to cut that but uh the pro v1 is just year in year out like everyone's like oh can't you know there's a certain group of dudes that won't play anything but the, the pro v1 and i switched to the bridgestone like two or three years ago and i personally it performs better and a lot of people even had that problem with the volvic when it was like a, a big um, when they made that that push with like the S4, the S4 was when further than any ball on tour and actually created more spin around the greens than any ball on tour. But people couldn't come to grips with actually putting it 
like staring at that ball throughout their round. So it's just huge on brand loyalty. And yeah, like John Rahm and guys like that move the needle, but I feel like so many of these guys aren't like huge brand forward anymore, like to the point where I guess all the tailor-made guys are because tailor-made's kind of the fucking, you know, they just market their asses off, but uh, there's no more like white drivers and like big campaigns anymore. I feel like that, that there used to be, you know what I mean? So there's, there's definitely been a difference between like 10, 15 years ago and now. Yeah, exactly. And it's it, brand loyalty in golf. I think it's probably, you know, mentioning shoes is probably one of the biggest ones that people play, you know, wear a certain pair of shoes or this or that, but brand loyalty in golf is much deeper than that because it goes, it's, you know, two, three, four thousand dollars worth of product, constantly buying balls. Um, it's never ending, you know, like I mean, yeah, it's not a hundred and fifty dollar pair of shoes and you're done for a year. Yeah, exactly. Um, but okay, we got Scotty and John Rahm at the elite level. Going to Scotty real quick, as all of you know, we talk about him enough, but six wins in 2022-23, which is also all his career wins. He's won the waste management twice, the Arnold Palmer, the Dell match play, the Masters, and the players. So his resume is a little better than Rom's in terms of type of wins, but Rom's got a little bit more longevity and a little bit more uh, more wins for sure, definitely worldwide. All right, this is where it's going to get fun for us because we, like I said, we haven't talked about this. Um, we are going to get into our dominant performers. Once again, this is 2022-23. Uh, I'm going to start out with a guy that uh, I think we have probably two of the same guys. So I'm going to start out with Max Homa. I mean, he has been dominant uh, since 2022-23. He won the Wells Fargo, which is currently being played back in 19. So I didn't, you know, that kind of played a factor a little bit. I'm trying not to let it. <laughs> I'm trying not to let the Joel Embiid complaining, let me have a hand Max Homa, the dominant category, but still has four wins uh, in 2022-23, and um, one of the things I saw, too, is looking at these guys and diving into some of the stats, a couple, like, you see horses for courses, and that's one of the things when you bet on golf that you just always want to think about, but he's won the, he's the owner of the Fortnite championship, so you just got to give him that, you know, he just owns it, he won, he's won that event twice, and I feel like when you win an event twice, it doesn't make a career, um, but it just shows that you you can continue to be dominant year over year at the same place. Um, he's won the Farmers, the Wells Fargo, and he's also won the Wells Fargo twice. He's He won it last year and won it in 19 um, and won the Genesis in 21. So a good resume of wins, as well as just putting together a great year in 2022-23 years, if you will. And he has 11 top 10s in that time, so. Okay, I mean, I... See, I'm going more off eye test. I think you're going more off stats, but I had him, I did not have him in the dominant category. And maybe we'll see a uh, a, a trend, you know, um, as we go on and kind of list our players, but. Uh, well, and and I think what, what I'm reading from you right now, just off of not putting a guy that's won four times and has 11 top tens in a year and a half is he doesn't compete in majors. It, see, yes, that is my huge thing is like his, his performance at the masters really like soured me on him. Like, cause he was, <clears throat> excuse me. He was, I wouldn't call him a favorite, but he's constantly discussed now as like 
is he going to make that jump? And then, you know, there's guys flat out, like I could almost see him being like a career Lee Westwood type of dude where you have a great career, you win a bunch of tournaments, but you just, and, and I'm not saying that Max home is not capable of winning a major at all, but it's been all these majors where you expect him to, you know, compete. And then he, and I think he did compete last year at some of the majors. So I'm not going to, um totally not, write him off but it, it's not be really from what i from what i saw i believe his best finish was like a top 20 okay like a, a t20 a t27 a t42 and then like a miscut in the last four majors last year or so yeah so i mean my tier two is going to be more of like players that my my dominant tier is going to be players that if they were to win a major you wouldn't be surprised and i'll go with maybe my most surprising um one of this of this group and it's definitely not my talk topic in this group it's just one of the guys but Xander Shoffley for some reason feels to me like he has the game to get it done and just hasn't so I think Shoffley like he's he's been and maybe it was he won the gold medal at the Olympics so I feel like that's a, a pretty big um victory to win and who knows you know what it what it is in their minds but I feel like that guy has the ability to get it done um like if i saw him competing in a major or if i saw him win any pga tour event i wouldn't be surprised so uh and my lists are a little bit longer than yours so we'll have to consolidate because obviously we're going to miss guys here um but yeah there's a a guy like shawfley he just gives me more of the eye test where he seems like even if he hasn't put up the consistent W's at smaller events like Homa. He still has the game to like go out and compete in majors. And he's got that kind of, that kind of mental capacity to be able to like, that's where his game is. Yeah. And I actually, so I put him in the frisky category. He has three wins since 2022. Uh, He's won the Zurich, which is a team event, the travelers, which is it and the Genesis Scottish open. Um, You know, the gold medal maybe sticks out in your mind a little bit, but in the, I love the Scottish years. Open, by the way. What's that? I love the Scottish Open. It's like one of my favorite tournaments of the year. Yeah, which is crazy to see that that was a PGA Tour event. Kind of funny, but um, he has 14 top 10s in the last two years and seven already in this year, this calendar. Okay, this. so yeah, so, he's, he's always hanging around. Exactly. So yeah, he is in my frisky category. So okay. And you're, We'll, we'll, we'll discuss before we put on the graphic, but um, I'll, you want to get to your next guy in the dominant category? Yeah. So a few of these, I wouldn't call obvious, but Rory's got to be there. Um, Rory, just, he, he should be in the, the top category, but he's not strictly because like, and I, I picked up on, I looked into some of these guys stats and a pretty consistent thing with even like guys that, that can't get it done at majors on a consistent basis strictly is their putting. Like, and, and that's been the story of Rory's career. We've talked about it multiple times, so I don't really need to beat a dead horse here. Um, but he should be in that dominant category, and he's not. Like, this is probably the most disappointing. You mean elite? Oh, I'm sorry, yes, elite. He should be in the elite category. He's in the dominant category, but I think it all kind of comes down to his lack of consistency, like missing the cut at the Masters. And I'm not – I don't want to go too recency bias here, but – all the hype in the world was around him at the masters. You know what I mean? Like everybody was betting him and it just feels like, Oh, 
Yeah, he he just he knocked hit, off. He just hit Matt Fitzpatrick's ball while we're talking about him. Rory McIlroy. Yeah, like two feet from the hole. Um, that's pretty fucking wild. But he he just feels like uh, a dude that. It, at the end of his career for how good he's been, it's always going to be about the tournaments that he could have won that he did. You know what I mean? There's guys that kind of out outperform what you thought they were going to be, but with all the hype surrounded around Rory, like I feel like he, he hasn't won a major in fucking what? 10 years, 12 years. I think he hasn't won a major since the 2011 U S open or 2012 U S open. Like, come on, dude, for, for what you are, like you have to win majors. Am I wrong? No. Yeah. That that's the thing I think with where me and you just had a little bit different view on this. I I had Rory also in kind of frisky just based on the last two years, like he, his career will be dominant, but I looked more at just like the last couple of years on tour and like guys that actually got it done. Like, I don't know to me, but see, I think you're, I think you had such a high expectation for him that if you just looked, if you didn't know who any of these guys were and you just looked at his numbers this last year, you'd still put him in the dominant category. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. And maybe it's, it's because of what you, like, like you said, expectations are not reality with him. Um, but yeah, his last major one was 2014. Oh, 2014. He, okay. he won the PGA and the open championship both that year. So if we were doing this when we were both in 2015, when I was, 22 years old we would have had i would have had rory in the elite category at that point of course for sure for sure i mean but he just feels like a dude and and maybe this is golf's problem is everybody's just been searching for the next dominant dominant guy like tiger and i don't think it's ever going to happen so i think we just got to appreciate guys when they come along like when they when they have really good year two two year long stretches but don't be surprised when it isn't sustained across a a five to 10 year period. Cause it's that fucking hard to do. And that's how good tiger was. Yeah. There, if we were doing this, like in tiger Woods, like tiger woods has his own category. That's ultra elite 10 levels above anybody else right now. Exactly. And it's right, I'll, I'll get to one of my next guys in dominant. And that's to me, it's the guy that won last week, Tony Finau. And I really think winning PGA tour events is a big deal. Um, I, I think we're a little, we're a little differing here, which we're embracing debate. Like I think a guy winning three tour events is more telling of how good he is overall. And like I said, this is current, you know, like right now um, versus like if he won one major two, three years ago or got second in a major, like I, I value the wins a ton. And while, you know, in 21, he won the Northern trust in 22, 23, he's won the 3M, the Rocket Mortgage, the Houston Open, and the Mexico Open. So not impressive wins, but to me, if you win four times, I mean, every any win's impressive. He also has 11 top 10s and two runner-ups. But to me, winning four times in a year and a half span on tour is, is pretty dominant, in my personal opinion. Okay, see, I did not have him in this tier, so I think we're catching on to a trend. Because like you said, I think his quality of wins has been so low that like I basically I imagine this as in if we put all these dudes on one of the hardest golf courses we could find and they played one round in really tough conditions who do you think is most equipped to go out and play well and like eventually win that you know what I mean and I I see Tony is a guy that is obviously very very good at what he does um 
but he's he's definitely found a niche of events that he plays well at and until he bucks that trend of of not you know of winning somewhere besides a off-field event or a you know lower level tournament I can't put him in that dominant tier I can't put him in the second tier because he just feels like in the big spots he doesn't really show up so um and I I almost like if I see him compete at a major I'll be like wow good for Tony like a little bit surprised you know what I mean um so I think uh our our views of these tiers are if we're just talking week in week out on the PGA tour, yes, I would say Tony Finau is dominant by the number of wins, but if we're just going off, eye tests, like with the U S open coming up, do I think he can compete at the U S open? I don't think so. I, I don't know. Like if he's got the mental toughness and, and that's a crazy thing too is, and I hate going off topic cause that's all I ever fucking do, but all these guys are physically just as capable and it comes down to their like mental capacity to be able to win and I feel like he's still yet to overcome that hump of like competing at the biggest events and thinking he belongs like, fuck, what was it? Six, seven years ago, he was on the Canadian tour. He was, he was, didn't even have tour status. You know, he's just kind of recently made this jump. So for how physically talented the dude is, I think he still has to like bring himself along mentally. Um, kind of, And you know, there's, there's other guys that kind of have this blue chip mentality where they came out of college ready to win majors and you kind of you know i think the public kind of felt the same way so i'm gonna make another pick here um and i'm just gonna group them together uh because they i feel like their careers are you know kind of spider-man meme looking at each other a little bit and their boys so i have jt and spieth in the dominant tier um simply out of the like spieth has had a rough you know he had a rough go uh, but he still has that, that capacity to win majors. And when his putter gets hot, it's the same deal. And then JT went in the PGA last year. Um, and he's even had a very shitty year this year, his putting, I looked up his, he's like 160th in strokes gained putting on tour. Um, so obviously something's going on there, but I still see them as any given day they go out and they can win a major, you know what I mean? That's so that's why I've got them in the dominant tier where they're, they're dudes that if you see them at the top of the leaderboard at a major, you're not really surprised. I mean, maybe you're a little more surprised about Spieth and JT because JT has a little bit more recent success, but they are kind of the same dude where it just feels like they're very capable no matter what. And when, when they're on, their game is still better than 95% of tour. Yeah, for sure. And so you're going to love my last guy in the dominant category um, with my value of actually winning golf tournaments here. Uh, Sam Burns, he's got 12 top 10s in, two, in the last two years. He's got four wins. He's won the Valspar twice. He's won the Charles Schwab. He's won the Sanderson Farms and the and the match play okay. this past year. So it's like, that, that to me is like, once again, th- these guys with three to four wins in two year span, it's like, all right, this guy is a dominant player. Now, will he compete in majors? That's still to be seen. Um, but to me, like 12 top tens in a year and a half span too, it's like b- or borderline every tournament he's playing and he's, he's either in the top 10 or sniffing the top 10. So those are my three, my three current dominant players are Homa, Finau and Burns, but as we see it, you know, like I, I don't necessarily anticipate those guys competing or winning majors 
but they have actually won on the tour. Yeah, no, I, I totally get where you're coming from. And um, that it's just funny that, cause I, I don't have him on my dominant tier uh, probably is because frisky at least is he released frisky for you? Oh, for sure. He's frisky. Like every name that you've said, all three names that you've said are on my frisky tier. So uh, I totally agree. And so I'll just give you my, my last pick of the dominant tier and that's Colin Morikawa um, for as up and down as he is like that PGA win at Harding park two years ago is dominant um, for how young of a dude he is, is just like, I, he's got that pedigree and he's got that kind of mindset where he's locked in on majors and maybe his game isn't quite there. So that's kind of a teetering like tier two, but he's just another dude where if he's competing in a major, you know, he's capable T to green. Um, it's comes down a little bit more about the putter, but he's, uh, he's a dude that I, I think could go out and win a major any week, you know? So that's he, so my tier two was, uh, Rory, JT, Spieth, Morikawa, Shoffley. Yeah. And, and like you said, a lot of those guys you mentioned, I had Rory as frisky just for re, a little re, more recency bias for me. Um, I actually had Colin Morikawa's honorable mention, uh, okay. didn't even make my frisky because the dude is looking at his career is truly just such a big game hunter. Hudson Swafford has more PGA tour wins since 2021 than fucking Colin Morikawa does. Yeah, that's, that's it. And I bet, you know, who else I bet does too is Harris English. Fucking yeah. I mean, Colin's Harris, got the two majors, but that's it. Yeah, no, he's definitely, uh, and, and that it's crazy how different you and I view. And I, I feel like mine is more eye test based and yours is more like actually factually statistically based. So I will give you props and I will say that I would probably take your list over mine. Mine, I think, is more of like the everyday PGA Tour fan. You know what I mean? Like mine is a little less analytically based. So uh, having said that, should I just rattle off my tier three guys and then? Yeah, you rattle off your friskies. I'll go through my friskies and we'll wrap her up. Okay. Um, and for note, I don't know what we can do with the graphic on this. Maybe honorable mention on dominant. I think Cantlay, Patrick Cantlay has that, um, that ability to be dominant. And we saw it last year when him and was it just last year when him and Bryson went head to head in that playoff. And that was like fucking, that was like a Mike Tyson fight. Just punch after punch being thrown yeah see that was two years ago and that's why he made it onto my frisky because he has eight wins and nine runner-ups in his career his 2020 to 2021 was dominant but since then he's only won the bmw and the zurich which is a team event okay, you know, and, okay. He, and he's yeah, that, lost two playoffs totally and, fair. He has, and he has six top 10 so it's like yes he's a guy that he he fits your eye test list perfectly yeah, he hasn't put together the wins for me to put him as even dominant. Correct. Yeah. So we, we, I'm glad we kind of picked up on an actual legitimate trend here um, because it's pretty evident what direction both of us went in, but my, my tier three, my frisky Max Homa, Tony Finau, Cam Young, when Cam Young's tough to put there, cause he hasn't won, but he's been so fucking consistent at getting in the top 10 and like, and competing week in week out that you just feel like you feel like he's won three or four times. You know what I mean? So it's, it's kind of weird. Cam Young's probably a guy that shouldn't be there. Um, 
and then Sam Burns, I've gotten my frisky just because, like you said, he, I mean, he's won a shitload. I feel like it's, it's been pretty, pretty low key that he's done that. But, uh, and then one other dude that I feel like gets overlooked um, is Sunjay M. I put him in my frisky tier where, and I think part of it is due to these guys turning pro so young um, that they get looked at as like, as like veterans on the tour. Um, but this dude is fucking 25 years old. He's born. He just turned 25 at the end of March. Like, and he's already got, uh, let's see here. He's got, Oh, here we go. He's got two career wins. Um, which isn't that crazy. He's got five seconds. He has 34 career top tens. Um, and he's only played 140 events on tour. So he has 21 million career earnings. And I just feel like he's that dude that nobody really talks about, uh, on a, on a weekend week out basis. He already has 4 million earned this year and we're not, we're about, you know, halfway or less through the PJ tour season. But I think the problem is that he's so young, but he's been out there for so long. He turned pro when he was 17. So it's really hard to, uh, you know, he's kind of, I, I would say the, the Asian, um, Korean, you know, Korea guys, uh, are judged a little bit differently because they turn pro as teenagers. So it's very hard. Like, I mean, Joaquin Neiman is a guy that's no longer on the PGA tour, but he turned pro at such a young age and he was winning on the tour as like a teenager, but, or, you know, whatever, 20 years old, but you get judged differently when you're out there that long. So I still, I feel like Sun JM's very frisky. I feel like any week he tees it up, he can win or at least compete. Um, and I just feel like he gets overlooked quite a bit. Yeah, I love that. And I, my guy, um, my frisky, so we've already talked about Cantlay, Shoffley. Um, definite frisky right now, verging on, can, could be dominant soon is Matt Fitzpatrick. Uh, yeah. Just won the RBC, has won the US Open last year. Uh, seven international wins and 13 top tens in the last two years. So he's definitely frisky. And then another guy that fitting that perfect mold of what you're talking about with Sun JM is Tom Kim. He won the Wyndham, won the Shriners, and he's the first guy since Tiger, which is, if you say that, that's pretty insane to win twice before he turned 21 years old. And he's got seven top tens in the last tour season. So he's what freshly 22 or 22 years old, 21. Exactly. So he, he made my frisky category, but I like this. We'll, uh, we'll put this graphic out with both of our kind of picks and see what the people think. I like it. That's uh, I felt like it was a good, good debate and you know, it just depends on how you look at it. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Exactly. So we'll see, we'll see what the people agree with us. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at big drive energy on Instagram at big drive energy pod. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, whatever, uh, application you're listening to this on make sure to give us a rating let us know how we're doing uh we love that you guys are all following along we're gonna have tournaments we got a big drive energy tournament down in phoenix we've got gonna have one in chicago uh we've got three or four coming in the colorado area this year so i'm really taking off here and hoping to enjoy our our week at live uh we'll preview the live tour next week Uh, enjoy the wells fargo this weekend another stepped up event with a lot of guys um you know Sahith Tagala, one of Mitch's picks, currently co- tied for the lead. So, let's go. Some units for you all. 
uh, through the DraftKings Sportsbook and enjoy the weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Peace.